0: There's the monitor work up here, guys. I can't see anything on the, thank you. We're going to start this morning by asking a very simple and a very basic question, and that question is, does this work? (laughs) Turn it on. Okay, now the screen's blank. Okay, here we go. Here we go. The basic question is, do you love the Lord? Now, I I would venture to say that everyone here, if that question was put before them, whether in sincerity or not, you would say, yes, I I love the Lord. That's That's just a given, especially within a congregation of the Lord's people. Well, if you were to go back 2,000 years ago and walk into the church at Corinth and ask those present, do you love the Lord? What do you think their answer would have been? Their answer probably would have been the same. Yes, I, I love the Lord. You think about the conversation that took place between between Jesus and Peter after his resurrection and and. Jesus asked Peter, and there has to be some significance in the fact that he asked him three times, given that Peter denied Christ three times. But he asked him three times, do you love me? Three times he asked Peter that question. And each time Peter said, I love you, you know that I love you. So what would your answer be to the question, do you love the Lord? Why are you asking this question, Mike? Well, I'm asking the question because there's a statement here in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 which, which draws me to ask that question of myself. And the statement, if you'll look at it in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22, the statement is, if anyone does not love the Lord, he is to be accursed. And then he puts this word in there. It's an Aramaic term that we're not familiar with, and we'll explain it in just a moment. It's Maranatha. When you read through the book of 1 Corinthians, you don't have to read very far to, to see that the church had a lot of problems. And those problems were based primarily on the fact that, that it was a carnally-minded church. It was a worldly-minded church. They were influenced. They became Christians, but it took them some time to get the world out of them and to stop allowing the world to influence who they were as a group of God's people. They had a lot of problems. They were divided. Paul starts with that from the outset. It was a congregation that accepted sin almost with pride. and Instead of withdrawing from one who was in an illicit relationship with his father's wife, they accepted it. They tolerated it. It was a congregation where brother was going to court against brother. They were taking one another to court. And, and we could go on. They were abusing the Lord's Supper. And I say all that to say this. When I, when I get to 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and this is a part of the daily reading, and it's also an article in your newsletter this morning, and it's also the memory verse. But when I, when I got to that verse, I just thought, as well, I could say, what? You know, why, why at this point are you putting this statement to religious people that if you don't love the Lord, you're going to be accursed. That's hard language. Paul's not mincing words with this. And I don't want to read too much into what Paul is is experiencing as he writes this letter. And I don't think I can ever step into his shoes and fully understand why he did the things he did and why he had the thoughts he, 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 he thought. But it's almost like He's so exasperated at this point, addressing their issues, that, that he's almost mad. And again, I'm probably reading something in, into this that, that may not be there. But it's like, okay, I say this, I say this, I say this. You have all these spiritual blessings. I mean, you, you read through the New Testament, and you don't read of any congregation that, that had the spiritual blessings, the miraculous spiritual gifts ...that we read about in the church of Corinth. You have everything. You have every opportunity, every privilege... ...and yet you've got all these problems. Let me tell you something. If you don't really love the Lord... ...you're going to be accursed. And then that statement, Maranatha, that means Lord come. And typically, whenever you see that statement... ...it means come in judgment... It was a reminder to them that there's going to be a day of reckoning. So, you need to love the Lord. But now, here's the interesting thing, and we'll, we'll take a moment to kind of dig a little bit deeper. And again, this is in your newsletter. But, but with the statement, if anyone does not love the Lord, the word that he uses for love here, Paul only used that word two times in the New Testament. It's, it's the word that carries with it the idea of friendship. It's, it's not the agape type of love, which we read about so often in the Bible, which is a love that drives someone to sacrifice for someone else. You know, God so loved the world. Well, he wasn't talking about being affectionate to the world because the world was his friend. He was speaking of his willingness because of who he was, not because of who we are. He was speaking of his willingness to sacrifice his son. We are to love each other that way. I am to be willing to sacrifice and to do what is in your best interest. And and I have that obligation whether I like you or not. Sometimes there are people who make it difficult for us to like them. Well, I am to have this affection. I am to have this affection for Jesus. He's not calling upon us here to sacrifice for Christ. Now, the Bible speaks to that, and we'll see that in just a moment. But what he's saying is, if you don't have affection for Jesus, in John chapter 11 and verse 3, one event in the life of Christ was the sickness and then the death of Lazarus. And in verse 3, we see this word phileo, so the sisters sent word to him. That's Mary and Martha sent word to Jesus. Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Now, Jesus didn't love Lazarus because of any sacrifice Lazarus had made for Jesus or even because of the sacrifice that Jesus is going to make for Lazarus. Lazarus was his friend. He had a relationship with Lazarus. And when he found out that Lazarus was sick, and then when he learned of his death, that evoked this human emotion. Jesus wept. In verse 36 of this same chapter, so the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. He had feelings for Lazarus. He was kindly affectioned toward Lazarus. And then in chapter 20, in verse 2, John wrote the book of John, and often throughout the book of John, you see John making references to himself, but he never says, this is me. But you get to the point, if you study the book long enough, you begin to identify those, those references, and here's one. In John chapter 20, verse 2, where John is writing, She ran and she came. This is at the empty tomb. She came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. There's that word again. It's not talking about John's love for Jesus. He's talking about Jesus' love for John. It was an affection that Jesus had for John. That's why I believe Jesus selected John as the one who would be responsible for taking care of Mary after after Jesus was gone. It it was because of his affection, his feelings. Now, the question we'll ask again is, do you love the Lord? I'm not asking, and and Paul wasn't begging the question either, "Do do we sacrifice for Jesus? The question is, is he your friend? Do you have affectionate feelings for Jesus? Now let's look at that word, a curse, because this is what happens if you do not. It's the word anathema, and that's a strong word too. In Romans chapter 9, when when Paul was writing about the Jewish nation and their rejection of Jesus, you you see the, the love that he had for his people But you also see in verse 3, him using this word, anathema. He says, I wish I myself were accursed. And then you see the statement, separated from Christ. So if anyone does not love the Lord, he'll be separated from Christ. Galatians chapter 1, you remember when Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia, about their issues and how they had perverted the gospel by saying that you have to also keep certain commandments under the old law. Well, in Galatians 1 and verse 8, even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we have preached to you, he is to be accursed. And then he says in verse 9, as we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. What does he say? He's saying that if you change the gospel, you're going to separate yourself from Christ. In fact, he later on says to those who were buying into that philosophy, you've been severed from Christ. Now think about the punch that adds to the statement of 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 22. If you don't have those affectionate feelings for Jesus, let's just forget keeping commandments for a minute. Let's just keep. Let's just forget check, uh, checklist religion. Let's just forget all of those bullet points that you're checking off every day because you're willing to make sacrifice, agape love. You have that love for Jesus. The question is, do you have this love for Jesus? Do you have the affectionate love? And that's something that you really can't force. It's something that just happens. It's the end result. It's the end game. It's, it's where you land after you've put a lot of thought into your relationship with Jesus. Now that last word, Maranatha, which is Aramaic. That's why you're not familiar with the term. You're, you're familiar with the idea, though. In Revelation chapter 22, think about the book of Revelation for just a moment. Uh, the book of Revelation was, was the Lord's response to the, the prayers of the saints who were being persecuted. They were suffering intense persecution under the Roman government. And, and to confess and to profess the name of Jesus... Could result in your death. Well, he ends the book in Revelation 22 and verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen, writes John. Come, Lord Jesus. Why? Come in judgment. Come in judgment. Saints are being persecuted. Saints are suffering. Saints are dying as the result of their faith. And as a result of that, the prayer of John is that Jesus will come in judgment. Now take that back to 1 Corinthians 16, verse 22. Paul's writing to a congregation of the Lord's people. And he says to them, if any of you don't love the Lord, if you don't have affection and feelings for Jesus, you're going to be separate from Christ. I want the Lord to return. I want you to think about the Lord's return. I want you to think about where you're going to be if you can't find the motivation in life to go through whatever you have to go through to come to have these feelings for Jesus. I, I know I'm just wearing this point out, but you know when I when I was reading through First Corinthians, and I've read it many times, and I got to that verse, man, that that ju- that verse just jumped off the page. Because <laughs> I thought at first he's saying agape, and I thought, well, I want to study that. And no, it's not agape. It's 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 friendship. If you don't have that relationship with Jesus, again, forget religion. If you don't have that relationship. Nothing else really matters. Okay, so someone comes to me and and asks me the question, how to love Jesus? How to phileo Jesus? How to reach a point at which I can experience those feelings of affection, this measure of affection, so that I will not be Accursed! I said it earlier and I'll say it again. It's about a relationship. In in Matthew chapter 12, when Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and his brothers were standing outside and they were seeking to speak with Jesus. This begins at verse 46. Someone said to him, Behold, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak to you. But Jesus answered the one who was telling him and said, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? This is a teaching opportunity. And stretching out his hand toward his disciples. Think about those who are following Jesus. He stretches out his hand and he says, Behold my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father who is in heaven, he is my brother and sister and mother. So there is this familial love, this family relationship that is to exist between me and the Lord that moves me to do the Lord's will. Admittedly, again, John 14 verse 15, Jesus said, if you love me, if you are willing to make sacrifices for me, that's agape, you'll keep my commandments. But then later on, In the next chapter, in chapter 15, beginning at verse 12, Jesus said, this is my commandment, that you love one another just as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Now, that's what Jesus did. He's bringing his closest followers to understand the relationship that I'm seeking with you is one that's going to drive you to have feelings for me because I have feelings for you. You are my friends if you do what I command you. So you are to do my will, not just out of a sense of obligation, but you are to do my will out of a sense that there's a relationship here. What if someone now comes and asks the question, well, why? We love Jesus in that way. And I'll ask the question at this point, as we think about these things, I'll ask it of myself and I'll ask it of you. Is that the way you love Jesus? Is that the way I love Jesus? Well, I'm here. It has nothing to do with being here. It has everything to do with what is in here, inside of you. In Romans chapter 5, here's some, here's some food for thought. In Romans chapter five, beginning at at verse six, as, as Paul is writing to the church at Rome and he's encouraging them to think of how that they're saved by grace. He 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 says in verse six of Romans chapter five, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. There's motivation. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. Make some connections here. Why I have these feelings for Jesus? It's because of what he did for me. I mean, let me just take everybody else off the planet except myself. He died for me. And he didn't die for me because I was worth dying for. He died for me because he loved me. If that can't move me to have affection for him, i got a major heart problem. In chapter 8 of the book of Romans... In verse 37, "...but all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us." Here's another reason why I want to love Jesus with affection. "...for I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord." Knowing... That God has said, knowing that Jesus has said, I will never move. I will never stop loving you. There is nothing in this earthly existence, in this universe that is ever going to come between you and I other than yourself. Now notice in verse 38, what did Paul write? I am convinced. Paul was born out of time, as he said, in terms of his apostleship. He wasn't one of the inner circle. He wasn't with Peter, James, and John, the transfiguration. He wasn't with Peter, James, and John when when they were separate from the others and, and Jesus shared with him during his hour of greatest need, his feelings and how his heart was troubled. Paul wasn't with them. And there's a number of reasons why perhaps I would say that he wasn't. But I think one of the reasons perhaps he wasn't is because we can identify with him. He didn't walk with Jesus, but he knew of Jesus. He learned of Jesus. The same way that we can learn of Jesus, Paul learned of Jesus. And he said, I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, so forth and so on. Are you convinced of that? If you're not convinced of that, then do you love Jesus with phileo? Do you have those affectionate feelings? Another passage that comes to mind is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 21 where the apostle wrote, He made him, that is God made Jesus who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Think about that every time you read through those gospel accounts and you come to that verse where Jesus is hanging on the cross and he shouts out, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? There was a moment in which he experienced this profound sense of separation because God made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf. Jesus died on the cross when it should have been you. It should have been me. Because of my sin. (coughs) He died. That's why I should have those feelings for Jesus. And then finally, this statement, pray. Or this statement, our Lord come, which really is a prayer. You know, that's kind of one of those imprecatory you read about it in the Psalms where, where the psalmist would write about um, God take, taking care of his enemies basically and, and he, he's I think Paul is, is offering this or stating this in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 22 again because he wants to bring to their minds an awareness of the seriousness of their relationship with Jesus I'll say it again at the risk of being redundant. It's not about a checklist. It's not about just keeping the commandments. God God addressed that under the Old Covenant and the New. Remember what what God would say about offering sacrifices? What he wants is a broken and contrite heart. It's not about just offering sacrifices that that are prescribed under a law. It's about being circumcised in the heart it's about separ- separation from the world and you do that out of love for Jesus not just because you want to sacrifice for him because he sacrificed for you but because of what you feel for him because of what he did for you in 1 Thessalonians chapter excuse me 2 Thessalonians chapter 1 will bring the lesson to a close with this Here's something that kind of plums with this idea of, of praying that the Lord would come. And, and we know what's going to happen when the Lord comes. It's going to be judgment. <laughs> he, he writes in verse 6 beginning, For after all, it is only just for God to repay with affliction those who afflict you. And those are the ones who don't love the Lord. Even within the church. I'm absolutely convinced through all my years of preaching... Those who have given me a hard time. well this is a hard thing to say. Those who have given me a hard time in preaching the gospel. Forget, forget the ugly face. For, forget all that you see when you look at Mike Waters. Think about what those who preach are trying to do. I'm convinced those who have given me a hard time, they don't love the Lord. Paul felt that. He felt that in the way the the brethren at Corinth were behaving. It's only right that God would would repay with affliction those who afflict you and to give relief to you who are afflicted and to us as well when the Lord Jesus will be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, dealing out retribution to those who do not know God. I think about that statement. Jesus Jesus was God in the flesh. Those who couldn't see that, who, who didn't assimilate that into their minds and into their hearts and into their lives, they don't, know, they don't love the Lord. They can't. They don't have affection for Jesus because they haven't thought about what He did for them those who do not know God and to those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will pay the penalty of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes to be glorified in his saints on that day and to be marveled at among all who have believed. For our testimony to you was believed. Do you love the Lord? I asked that question to myself after seeing this verse. And it gave me a lot to think about. There's a lot more to it than just some willingness to make sacrifice. What goes through my mind when I'm partaking of the Lord's Supper? Am I taking in a word that manner? That's more than just using the right emblems. It's thinking about what Jesus did for me and having some measure of affection for Him. The last one is yours. Let's go to God now in prayer.